Welcome to the Make Light Show, the podcast that's all about curating meaning and joy in a light-filled life and part of the Light Listened Podcast Network. I'm Karen Walren, photographer, leadership coach, and author of The Beauty of Different, Observations of a Confident Misfit. Join me as I answer your questions about how to make light in an occasionally dark world. And together, we'll prove that positivity, creativity, and kindness, both to yourself and to others, make the world go round. Welcome back, friends. Today, we're going to talk about something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, self-care. And although no one wrote in this week to ask questions about self-care, I think it's really important. So I wanted to make sure we spend some time thinking about it. As you know, I talk a lot about making light here on the Make Light Show, the idea that we're all called to use our particular gifts and passions to help make the world a better place. I've shared how actively exercising what we love to do, especially when we do so in service of others, is how we find our purpose, and how finding our purpose is how we can access joy. Even more importantly, I believe that our privilege is our power. That, despite its connotation, privilege, whether it comes from our race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, ability, or any other source, is a reminder that we each have the responsibility and the power to assist and elevate those who don't share the same privilege. And finally, I believe that making light takes courage, and that courage comes when we are standing in our values, when we can definitively say that what we are doing to make light is rooted in what we hold most dearly to be true, and therefore, in our integrity. But the thing is, making light can often be a frightening proposition, because for every person who is trying to make the world a better place, there is someone waiting in the wings to tell them how they're doing it wrong, or their motivations are misplaced, or that somehow they don't have the right to even try. Brene Brown often says that if you truly make a commitment to live a courageous life, you are absolutely, positively going to get knocked down. Not a possibility, but a certainty. Because there can be no courage without risk. And Valerie Kaur, the amazing sick civil rights activist, says that this risk, this inevitability of our being hurt in the process, can harden into hatred if we don't take care of ourselves and show ourselves love in order for us to arise again and be brave again. In other words, we must make ourselves one of the subjects of our own love if we are going to keep making light. Self-care and self-compassion aren't just nice little practices to make ourselves feel good. They are imperatives for us to keep fighting for good. And so today, I'd like to talk about three intentions to help us keep our self-care and our self-compassion at the forefronts of our daily lives so that we can continue to fight the good fight. The first intention that I'd like to talk about, and it's probably the most unexpected of the three that I'll share today, is an intention to make your home a haven and a safe space. I know this sounds intuitive, but in my experience, people often make two mistakes when it comes to their homes. Either they view it simply as a space to store their stuff, without being particularly mindful of how their space actually makes them feel when they spend extended time there, or worse, they don't spend extended time there. This can result in their space becoming more utilitarian than a haven, or on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, 
There are those who have their homes designed within an inch of their lives so that while their homes are beautiful, they're not particularly soulful or representative of the spirits of the people who live there. They see more about impressing those who visit that rather than providing comfort to its residents. In my opinion, both of these are a mistake. Your home primarily should be a place where you feel restored, where your family members can return knowing that they don't have to be anyone but who they are, where rest and restoration and love and security are the primary atmosphere and focus that your friends and family experience when they enter your space. To that end, I would encourage you to move through each room in your house and make adjustments as necessary to assure that you're maximizing those feelings of comfort and safety. For example, if you and your family love movie nights or Netflix marathons, but the seating in your TV room is so precious that people can't tuck their feet under them or sprawl out to watch, maybe it's time to invest in inexpensive slipcovers or blankets so that people can get comfortable without worrying about ruining the upholstery. Or if you love to cook, but your kitchen countertops are overflowing with appliances you never use, perhaps it's time to put some of those unused appliances in storage so that you can chop and mix on clearer surfaces to your heart's content, or even display those beautiful cookbooks that you love. Or if having your workspace in your bedroom is making it harder for you to fall asleep at night, maybe it's time to create a workspace in another corner of your house so that your bedroom becomes only about rest and intimacy with your partner. Next, forget about what those design magazines say and think about the things you would love to have or what makes a home feel like home for you, regardless of whether they're fashionable. For example, in my case, I'm very sensitive to light, sound, and smell. I hate overhead lighting. It feels too harsh for me, but I love me some twinkle lights and I tend to have them in multiple places in my house, especially my workspace, and I'm a sucker for a good lamp with bulbs that are soothing and not too glary. With regard to sound, I have a playlist for everything. I have a playlist for working, usually soothing music with no lyrics, and a playlist for when friends come over to hang out. I even have a playlist for cooking. At any given time, there's music playing in the background in my home because music has such an effect on my mood. And finally, because I also find scent to be a powerful mood enhancer, I have done a ridiculous amount of research on different scents and how I want my home to smell. For me, I'm a sandalwood fan, and I also love the smell of jasmine and even eucalyptus. I constantly have a candle or oil diffuser going in my house to help make it feel like home and safe for me. And finally, and I've mentioned this before on my blog, consider beginning an art collection. But to be clear, I'm not talking about buying art for financial investment purposes. I'm talking about art for self-care and self-compassion purposes. Buy art purely because looking at it brings you joy. Buy what you love. Don't worry about whether or not the artist is going to be famous one day, or if the gallery or store selling it is famous, or even if it goes with the decor or color scheme of your house. If you love it, buy it. I have found that every time I bought something I love, there was always a place in my home for it where it was perfect. And if you buy it when you're traveling or for a special occasion, you'll find that you'll remember that trip or that event every time you look at it. And to that end, don't make the completely erroneous preconception that more expensive must absolutely mean the art is better. This could not be more inaccurate. While I certainly have art where we've spent money, I have much more art that was simply done by local street artists for which I paid a nominal fee, or the artist was a friend or family member. 
For example, my husband is a wonderful artist, and we have a few originals that he did hung around our house. Look to your friends who are artists. Check out Etsy or even favorite print or fabric shops and have those framed. They will mean more to you than a Picasso would anyway. Trust me. Okay, that's enough about intention one, being mindful of your home being a haven. The second intention is to check in with yourself about taking care of your mind, your body, and your spirit. I don't know about you, but if I did what they say you must do, spending every day making sure I worked out for an hour, meditated for an hour, had focused time with family, focused time with friends, and got eight hours of sleep, I'd never get any work done. And yet, I know how important it is to check in with myself frequently to ensure that I'm taking care of myself. To do this, I do two things. First, every Sunday evening, usually in front of the TV, I take my journal and think about what I want to do to take care of my mind, body, and spirit during the week and set a few easy goals. It might be that I set a goal to go for a run on three of the upcoming days, and then I schedule them in my calendar. Or it could be that I want to be sure to meditate for 10 minutes every midday using an app on my computer. Or I want to make time to read a book on my nightstand nightstand that I haven't yet gotten to. Whatever it is, I schedule it on my calendar. By actually scheduling the time for self-care, it makes it more likely that I'll get around to it. And by doing it weekly, I can see what else is on my schedule coming up during the week and make the right kinds of decisions about all of those things. Then, every morning, before beginning my day, I answer three questions in my journal. The first is, how can I feel healthy today? Because if it happens to be a day where I haven't scheduled a workout, or you know, life happens and I know there's no way I'm going to make it to the gym, there are still ways that I can feel healthy, healthy, like drinking lots of extra water or taking 20 minutes to stretch before going to bed, whatever. This is just something quick I do. It's a quick answer. And the answer to this question, how can I feel healthy today, will go on my to-do list for that day. The second question I ask myself, again, quickly, quick answer, is how can I feel connected today? This is about connecting with friends and family. It could be as elaborate as scheduling a date night with my husband or happy hour with friends, but it can also be as simple as sending a thinking about you email to a friend I haven't spoken to for a while. Just a couple of sentences saying you crossed my mind and I hope you're doing well. It's just a gentle reminder to stay connected to the people I love and who love me. And again, the answer to this question, how can I feel connected today, goes on my to-do list as well. And then the final question I ask myself, is how can I feel purposeful today? This question is all about taking a moment to consider how I can serve. This can be about using my own skills and talents to do something that I feel might help someone in my community, but it might also mean taking a moment to donate money to a cause that I believe deeply in, or just taking a bag of gently used clothing to a donation center. The beauty of asking myself these three questions, how can I feel healthy, how can I feel connected, how can I feel purposeful, and doing so every single day, is that it helps me do something mindful about taking care of myself, while also moving me toward ensuring that I make light. And while I might not make the answers to these three questions my reality every single day, simply the daily practice of asking them helps me to keep my own care and my own purpose at the forefront of my mind. Finally, 
The third intention that I'd like to share with you today has to do with self-compassion, specifically how to take a self-compassion break. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, when you make the commitment to be courageous, it's guaranteed that at some point things will get difficult. The way through these difficult times is through self-compassion, which is something I had the honor of learning about a couple of years ago at a talk led by Dr. Kristen Neff. Dr. Neff is a professor at the University of Texas and a self-compassion expert. In fact, she has been credited with conducting the very first academic studies in the world on the subject of self-compassion. A Buddhist, she describes self-compassion exactly the way you and I probably would describe it, even without academic research. It's all about treating yourself as you would treat a good friend or anyone else you love. But she did so much more. By the end of the workshop, she had us convinced that self-compassion might be the secret to everything. It turns out people who practice self-compassion are far more productive, make better partners, parent better, live longer, and heal faster. All of this amazing stuff. And she gave us a few tools to help us be more self-compassionate when we're suffering. And she describes suffering as anything from stress to facing critical health issues to even just stubbing your toe. So she began by explaining that true self-compassion is comprised of three elements, mindfulness, common humanity, and kindness. The self-compassion break combines these three elements of self-compassion with being mindful in your breathing and sitting with your hands on your heart or wherever they feel most healing or self-comforting, like hugging yourself or clasped together in your lap. It goes like this. Sitting with your eyes closed and your hands in their healing position, first, become aware of your breathing. Just slow your breathing down. Breathe in deeply and breathe out deeply. As you've slowed your breathing, next, think about what it is that's causing you discomfort. It could be something you're worrying about, or maybe a physical pain you're experiencing, or even a specific sadness that happened to you. Then as you focus on this, and you breathe slowly, you think to yourself, this is really hard. This is the mindfulness part. It's actually spending the moment feeling your pain instead of immediately going into I must fix it mode. You acknowledge the pain in the same way that you might do if I had come to you and told you I was going through a hard time and you said to me, gosh, Karen, that must be so hard. This is you showing empathy to yourself. So secondly, after you sat with this and acknowledged that what you're going through is difficult for a moment, you take another deep breath. And you say to yourself, but you know what? This difficult feeling is part of what it means to be human. This is the common humanity part. This is the second part that is intended to make you realize in the moment that you are not alone. That there are others in the world who have experienced similar pain. And you acknowledge that the feeling this pain is part of life and it's totally okay for you to feel it that it's perfectly natural for you to feel hurt or angry or sad. In fact, it is completely understandable. You are not being punished, but rather sometimes difficulty is a part of living, and other people get it too. And finally, the third part. 
after you've acknowledged that what you feel is totally normal and human, breathe in again and say to yourself, may I be kind to myself. This is the kindness part. This is you telling yourself or God or Allah or the universe, whoever, that you want to be gentle with yourself as you go through your pain. Basically, the self-compassion break is all about taking a beat and getting centered. And what Dr. Neff's research has found is that when you've grounded yourself by doing the three steps I talked about, always slowing your breath and holding your hands in their healing position as you do it, with practice, you'll find yourself becoming a bit detached from the pain and maybe even get some clarity about what your next move is because you're no longer moving in panic anymore and you're doing it with kindness to yourself. You'll be moving as a guide to yourself. So that's it, my friends. My three big intentions for self-care. Creating a haven in your home, checking in with your mind, body, and spirit as a regular practice, and taking that self-compassion break when you need to. I hope this helps. For links related to all the resources I talked about in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at themakelightshow.com. And now... I'd love to hear from all of you. How do you take care of yourselves? What practices do you have to make sure that you're showing yourself some self-love? Leave a comment over at the show notes or send me a note on social media. Simply use hashtag MakeLightShow so I can find your thoughts. And as always, if you're looking for more ways to make more light in your life, but find yourself stuck, please send me an email with any questions or challenges you'd like me to tackle to Karen, K-A-R-E-N, at themakelightshow.com. And you might just hear an answer to your question on an upcoming episode of The Make Light Show. I'm Karen Walrand, and I'll be back next week with all new tips and tricks to make light. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. Drive on, friends.